0: Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 202 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. The social distancing continues, but uh, we will still be coming to you for all kinds of Duke-related discussion. So we hope that you enjoyed the most recent episode that we did where we looked back at the 1992 East Regional. It was a lot of fun for us to do, so... um, Hope, hope you enjoyed that, but today we've got a fair amount to get to before we get to player news and the stats prediction game results. Of course, we have to introduce ourselves. I am your host for this episode, Sam Klein. I am coming to you from my lonely apartment in Durham, North Carolina. I am joined, as always, by Donald Wine in Washington, D.C. Donald, how you holding
1: up? Well, guys, first off, I am not in Washington, D.C. I escaped... Oh, a shelter in place uh in my 300 square foot apartment uh i am in charlotte with uh, some friends from soccer who were gracious enough to take me in and so i am riding out the quarantine uh, with them for the next week or two or however long this goes on until they kick me out so uh, i am here for now enjoying the lovely sunny weather and uh, of course their dog is it, it down in Charlotte? It is. It ain't
2: going to be a week or two, Donald. It's it, going to be. It, it be longer.
1: <laughs> it, it's, well, it's pretty gross here in Durham. So it, it was gross yesterday, and the sun just poked out about an hour or two ago, and it looks right. marvelous. After this is done, I'm going to go outside. Wow! All right, it's gorgeous uh, in Atlanta.
2: Got, Let me tell we you, just got,
1: we just got shelter
0: in place uh, orders in Durham as of a couple hours ago, so uh, there will be no more going outside unless you absolutely need it. Speaking of not going outside, Jason Evans is at home in Atlanta still, I believe. I am, yes.
2: Sporting more and more of a beard. Um,
0: I, I asked my wife Are permission last a competition? night.
2: competition? Uh, <laughs> it's not a competition. Sam I'm, would I'm, win I'm, the competition. I'm currently but, kicking
0: your ass in, the, yeah, in that particular well, a
2: You had a two or three year head start. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I asked my wife last night and um, she kind of shrugged. So I'm 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 gonna go for a beard now.
1: Until um, you get, look, you get your direction. Otherwise, yeah, you guys can go ahead and, and go for the beard. Meanwhile, I have shaved my head, and yes. uh, until this crisis is over, this is how my hair is gonna look straight, straight, bald like that. So, uh, two you guys thirds, can go for the beard.
2: Huh? Two thirds of the podcast crew has no hair.
1: <laughs> exactly well
0: i just on, have it. on I, top I, on top yes i only have it underneath yeah sure <laughs> uh this is this is how i choose to live anyway uh this is premium uh, audio content because everyone obviously can see our faces so like i said we will get to first we'll get to all the player news we'll get to guys who have left guys who are coming in what we don't yet know and then we will take a quick break and after that review the results of the stats prediction game which I tabulated just a couple hours ago I have some uh, questions I have some discrepancies that I need to run by you guys we're going to do those live in a way that is it is fair so that we
1: get to a uh, to an adequate winner but I'm just going to go ahead all- and tell you I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that whatever allows me to get the point I'm in favor of anything that we're does going not to, give me a point out, but, we're not but, doing but you'll that. See how that all goes. All right, let's start with, I think
0: what was the most surprising news of the last few days, which is that the uh, announcement, I don't think it's come formally from Duke yet, but we have heard from Columbia university, big man, Patrick Tepe, that he will be joining the blue devils next season as a graduate transfer. The Ivy league of course, doesn't have the, uh, doesn't have the graduate student option. So, um, You'll you'll see more and more Ivy League players. Seth Towns was another one who uh, is moving from Harvard to Ohio State. More of these Ivy League players who are choosing to transfer for uh, their fourth years of eligibility. Tape was injured this past spring, um, so was unable to participate in the 2019-2020 season. But in his junior year, averaged 11 points and six boards for the Lions. Uh, he is... Also a Charlotte native, so one of the cool things about this story is that he'll get to play his his final year of eligibility uh, a little bit closer to home, since he's just a couple hours. His parents are just a couple hours away uh, in the in the Charlotte suburbs, I believe. So um, I want to ask the two of you, and I'll start with Jason. Uh, give me your take on Tepe being a graduate transfer for Duke. This is something that that we as Duke fans have talked a lot about graduate transfers, and some guys have gotten very close to being graduate transfers for Duke, but but this is really the first one that uh, appears like it's going to pan out for Mike Krzyzewski's program.
2: Yeah, and first of all, the most important thing, his, his last name is spelled T-A-P-E, but you are correct. It is not pronounced tape like scotch tape. It is tape. And in fact, um, DBR, uh, the, uh, DBR poster Brevity came up with a great way for people to remember how to pronounce his name. He said, if an opponent tries to challenge our front court, they'll be hell to pay. So to pay is the correct way to pronounce his name. And I'm glad that we are getting it right here on the podcast. And I hope all the Duke fans out there will get it right. This this guy is exactly what we want. I I had written to a, to some Duke fan friends of mine. Um, when there was started to be talk that Duke was getting involved with a few of these grad transfers from the Ivy League, and I said, the one I want is Patrick to pay. I don't know that he's the best of them. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's not the best of them, but he fits our need just so nicely. I mean, we're talking about a large, athletic, experienced big man, a guy who's going to protect the rim um, and, and finish you know, inside of five feet. We're not talking about a guy who's going to be a double-double machine. We're not talking about a, another Vernon Carey. We're not talking about a guy who's going to play 30 minutes a night. But I I think, you know, for someone who can man the post, someone who can bang with the big men from Carolina and and some of the other teams that have big players, I think this is a incredibly valuable addition to next year's team. I wouldn't be shocked if he averaged like maybe seven or eight points per game and about six rebounds per game. And, you know, uh, again, provide some rim protection playing 15 to 20 minutes. I, I think that's the kind of thing he can give to us. And he makes us older, he makes us more experienced, he makes us more mature, and he makes us stronger. The guy is just physically, you can tell, he is a strong man in the middle. And that's this is exactly what Duke needed for next year.
0: The front court for Duke next year was going to be particularly young. And as you note, experience is one of the major things that he brings. So for all the freshman big men that Duke is going to be integrating onto the team next year, you can see to pay. Playing a major role, he won't necessarily be a captain because he's a because he's a transfer. But you can see him bringing leadership and and that uh, sort of work ethic to to a team that's going to have a lot of young players next season. Donald, uh, anything to add on Patrick Tapei transferring to Duke?
1: Well, I I like that he you know just looking at his highlight reel, he looks to be very good in the paint and he's very polished with uh, grabbing the ball and going to the basket. So. And really he can shoot with either his right or left hand. So I think that is always a a good thing to see because especially with our offense, he's going to be coming from anywhere on the court. And one thing that I will note that it looked like he's very good at doing is catching the ball on in transition, which is a, you know, something that we've been going for in the last few years. So if he can catch the ball in transition, he can, you know, score with footwork in the paint, he can post up, he can roll the rim. He can be physical. He can be strong and aggressive, uh, those are things that we're looking for uh, and really him and Mark Williams competing to be the start of the five. Those That competition uh, is one that I can't wait to see uh, because I think both of them will get better and really if we can have that experienced leadership uh, in the front court, that will help our team immensely next year. Jason, talk to me a little bit about uh, some of the teams that Topay has faced. I
0: know that taking a look at his game log, I see – Uh, games against some power five opponents like Boston college, Northwestern, Rutgers, what do you see uh, in his, in his uh, production?
2: Yeah, you read my mind. I I wanted to mention, I mean, look, people are going to hear Ivy league Columbia and they're going to think he hasn't played, you know, many legit ACC caliber big men. And the reality is he has, and, and he's performed fairly well against them. If you, you know, you pointed out the team's, uh, you go back to his last season in school, which was 2018-19. Again, he sat out last year. He had a run of three consecutive games against BC, Rutgers, and Northwestern. All three of those games were on the road. But in all three of those games, he scored, he scored he averaged 16 points per game in those three games. He scored 17 against BC, 15 against Rutgers, 18 against Northwestern. The rebound totals weren't huge, only about four rebounds, you know, in those games. But you know, he blocked a shot here or there one of the big keys is he's a really he's a very efficient shooter as donald mentioned he does his work around the basket and he scores really effectively around the basket and again against those 3 power 5 opponents he was hitting 60 75 80% of his shots uh, uh, you know as i said at the start i think he is exactly what the doctor ordered for duke he's going to be able to finish off of passes from you know, from our, our penetrators and, and, and the guys that dump him the ball in the post. He's going to be able to defend. He's going to be able to protect the rim a bit and he's going to grab some rebounds. And he's shown, while he has mostly played against Ivy League competition, he's shown against Power 5 competition that he can compete.
0: Yeah, shooting, shooting nearly 70% total against those three opponents makes me really excited about the fact that he's going to bring some high-quality skill set to Duke and the ACC next season. He doesn't have to be Really good at at anything, but the fact that he has that one skill set that appears to be fairly polished is a is a good sign and, and shows why uh, Coach K was interested in pursuing him. All right, so let's move on from additions to subtractions. Uh, we'll we'll start with the one I think that we are ready to celebrate the most, which is Trey Jones. We talked a little bit about him on the last episode, but Trey Jones uh, Instagram official is leaving for the NBA. He's going to the draft. He accomplished a lot this year. ACC Player of the Year, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, really, a, just an outstanding season. He, he lifted his his three point field goal percentage by uh, by over ten um, percent. He just became the the rock for Duke. So I I want to take a few moments and reflect on Trey Jones's two year career. And I'll start with Donald. Donald, what do you think is the thing we're going to
1: remember most about Trey Jones and the impact that he had at Duke? The thing I remember the most, first of all, is how much fun he appeared to have on the court. He, especially this year, there were definitely times where you could see his smile. You could see him just like kind of laughing as he's playing because to him, this was just a lot of fun. And and coming back for his sophomore year, he was focused on the things that you mentioned. You know, being defensive player of the year, being the best player in the ACC, being one of the you know All Americans, but also trying to go for that national championship. And that's probably the one thing that we will regret the most is that he was robbed of that opportunity to go for that title that he came back to, to seek. So, uh, but really just his, his awareness, his, able, his ability to pass, his ability to run transition and on defense, his ability to just completely suffocate one of the best players on the floor every single night is what is going to translate to the next level that those are things that he can always get better at. And, and he's already good at all of those areas. So uh, I am, sorry to see him go. I'm sorry to see him go under these circumstances, but really uh, we knew that we had maybe one more year with him uh, this year. And uh, I really enjoyed getting to watch him play a second year in Durham uh, at, at Duke university. So uh, best of luck to him in the league. It sounds like he's going to be probably late first round, early second round uh, in, in in that area. But hopefully with, if they do workouts and stuff, he can move up and probably get into that late first round, if not early second round. Yeah, I think that when you talk about his draft stock,
0: and also talking about things I'll remember the most, the way that he acquitted himself against Cole Anthony in the in the UNC games really stands out for me. Anthony obviously is a is projected to be a, a very high pick in this summer's NBA draft, and Trey Jones really played well in in both of those games against UNC, in particular the first one where he uh, he made yeah. all the big highlights. Uh, for Duke to win the game. So for me, I think those those big highlights will be the thing I remember most about Trey Jones. I think the only bummer for me is that we won't get to see him come back and compete in the NCAA tournament again. I was sort of, I think I mentioned this, I was sort of holding out hope that he was going to feel the most regret about the season being canceled and decide that it might be worth it for him to come back for one more year, give it another shot, and Um, you know, and, and maybe try to do the Jay Williams graduate in three years, win national player of the year and win a national championship. I was hoping that he was going to be on that plan, but alas, it's not to be. Uh, He, he has his professional career to look out for. And I am sure that he is going to be one of those Duke players that, that Duke fans uh, continue to cheer for well into his NBA career. Jason, what do you want to add on the two-year career of Trey Jones?
2: him on the defensive end. We're going to miss him on the offensive end. And I, I, you know, Donald said the joy of watching him play was really special. Uh, And that's, that probably is what I'm going to miss the most. Um, uh, He was a guy who you could tell worked at his game. I mean, the degree to which he improved his outside shot, his offense from freshman to sophomore year showed you that this was someone who knew what he had to get better at. And then he worked on getting better at it. Um, there, there is a, there is not a long list of players who won ACC player of the year and defensive player of the year. You you don't replace someone like that. Um, as much as we're excited about next year, as much as we look at to the roster next year and think about how the different pieces are going to fit together and what that team can be, we will not replace what we lost in Trey Jones. And, uh, he has, you know, he has a special place as far as I'm concerned in, in Duke lore. Um, at least partially because he's sort of one of the first guys who could have been a first rounder, uh, at least in recent years, and decided to come back and stay for a second year. And um, we know he had goals that he was not able to achieve because no one was able. To. But um, but God, it was it was it was great to watch him try, and and we'll love him for what he did in his two seasons in Durham.
0: Yeah, I think that the other thing that we maybe even forget about is that his freshman year. While he was notionally the point guard on the team, Duke had Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, who were very capable of handling the ball and initiating the offense and even guarding on the perimeter, Cam Reddish as well. So while Trey Jones was was an effective member of that team his freshman season, he was not the all over the court dynamo that he became his sophomore year. As I was looking back at at the stats from this season, do you all know that Trey Jones was like the third leading rebounder on this team for Duke. I mean, he was he was all over the place for the Blue Devils. He wasn't just a scorer, he wasn't just a facilitator, he wasn't just a defender. He was he was everything. And That uh, stuffer. And, totally. Uh and and Jason, you said it. We'll we'll miss him in a variety of ways. So, it'll be interesting to see how Duke uh, replaces him next season. I want to move along though to uh, a departure. I don't think that we we certainly didn't talk about it being a possibility. It it might have been at the back of people's heads. Uh, but Alex O'Connell announced that he is transferring or is in the transfer portal, presumably transferring after three seasons at Duke, where uh, he had something of an up and down career. He certainly flashed a lot of athleticism, but wasn't ever really able to put it together for big stretches of minutes. So Jason, what do you think about Alex O'Connell deciding to leave Duke and explore his transfer opportunity, not as a graduate student. So he'll have to sit out next season. Uh,
2: you know, I'm, I'm sad to see him go. I think there's a reality. Uh, you, you said you wanted to just talk about Alex O'Connell. I'm going to bring Joey Baker into the conversation because I don't know that you can talk about one without the other. I think the reality is there was room for one of those guys next year and not both of them. Because, and Joey Baker
0: announced that he is returning uh, to Durham next season.
2: Correct. Um, I, I, I just don't think with the players that Duke is bringing in, with with what happened at the end of this season where they both got squeezed for time, I think there wasn't really a place for both of those guys to find minutes at Duke next season. Heck, there was barely a place for both of them to find minutes this season. And, and as a result, it's, it's not really that surprising. It was shortly after Joey Baker said he was coming back that we heard that Alex O'Connell was, was leaving, or, or it may have been, it may have been flipped. I don't even remember events the past week
1: <laughs>
2: have Baker been pretty crazy.
0: Baker announced uh, early relative. I think he was, his was the first announcement. His was of first of, first of everything. I remember seeing it and thinking, okay, like, was this an announcement that was that was imminent? Like would, would, I didn't know that this that this needed the the full well, social the, media treatment. But the, thing, yeah, the thing about
2: the thing about Baker was there was some talk that he could potentially be looking to transfer because there's a lot of competition on the wing next year at Duke, and and he didn't have a huge. I mean, like, look, he played a good bit. He played double digit minutes and plenty of games for Duke but that waned down the stretch. And whenever you have a situation like that with a player, people worry, Oh, is this guy maybe going to be disappointed in his amount of playing time and um, you know, his opportunity and, and decide not to come back. And so Joey Baker took that off the table very, very quickly and said, year three at Cameron coming up. Um, As for Alex O'Connell, Sam, you summed it up really nicely when you said this is, he had moments, he had some great moments, boy, If he could play at at no place but at Syracuse, Alex O'Connell would have been an All ACC performer. He was great against the Orange, but he he had other games where you could sense his confidence was waning, and uh, he he sometimes struggled a a little bit on defense, especially on help defense. Um, But this was a kid who who loved being at Duke. He's not leaving with any bad feelings, I don't think. Um, at, at, At least his social media profiles and what we know of the program tells us that that. He left because he wanted to go someplace else to get a little more opportunity, not because he wasn't happy with his with how he'd been in his three years at Duke. Um, and I think that we've already heard there's a lot of major, you know, college basketball teams that are very interested in Alex O'Connell. I will not be at all surprised if he, you know, if he goes to a fairly significant program and he averages double, you know, double figures for them next year or whenever it is he gets his eligibility. Um, a great kid, a great athlete. Um, and and someone who, as far as I'm concerned, always be a part of the Duke family. Um, I I love the kid. His his dad played for Duke. He's an Atlanta boy. You know, I, I wish him all the best. And uh, I, I I almost wish he could go to Georgia Tech. I know Georgia Tech desperately wanted him, and that program could use him. And and I'd like seeing him in my hometown again. I know that Georgia Tech's not really in the cards just because the way transfer rules work inside the conference. He should really transfer to Syracuse.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Jason
0: given his given his being from Georgia, wouldn't be surprised to see him look at a bunch of SEC schools as well because he's still he's still almost certainly a a power five type of player. It's not like he's he's going to be going down in in quality of competition next season, So I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see a few of those schools. Donald, what you have to add
1: on Alex O'Connell? Well, Jason mentioned how Georgia Tech wanted him uh, back when he was being recruited, and he ended up coming to Duke after we came kind of came in last minute. Well, it came out in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, I believe, yesterday that Josh Pastner does want him, and he's trying to get uh, Alex O'Connell now that he's in the transfer portal. Now, the one thing, there's a couple of things. One, the transfer rules uh, don't necessarily apply to in-conference, but what it is is a school can place limitations on where that player can transfer. And they could say Georgia Tech is off-limits, but with their recent – you know. Uh, prohibition from the the NCAA tournament that never happened. I wonder how that plays into it. There's also the caveat that the NCAA is considering allowing players to be able to transfer once and not have to sit out. If that took effect this summer, then he would be able to play wherever he went immediately. But getting back to losing him from our team, I think it's, you know, it's one of the things where like you guys said, the writing was on the wall with regards to playing and competition for playing minutes and he his because he didn't play as much this year that he did the year before his numbers went down uh, and, and really we counted on him the one thing that would have kept him on the floor would have been his three-point shooting if he was nailing him at that close to 50 percent rate that he was doing uh, a couple years ago but this year he only shot 27 percent. and when you're shooting 27 percent from three and that's what's keeping you on the floor there's a reason why there's a few games where he just didn't see a lot of playing time so uh, i i am sorry to see him go i wish he would have stuck around for a senior year but i'm going to wish him the best wherever he ends up and and jason like you said i think wherever he does end up he's going to ball out he's going to be one of those guys that kind of has a renaissance and averages you know double digit uh minutes and points per game so looking ahead we haven't heard any official news on uh, some of
0: duke's other players who you could envision potentially going pro or deciding that that they um, would succeed more in other programs. So we won't, we won't spend too much time, but, but Jason, any thoughts on uh, the upcoming decisions for Wendell Moore, Matthew Hurt, or Cassius Stanley? Uh,
2: we, we, we've gotten some like little tiny hints on these guys. It's uh, you, by the way, you didn't mention Vernon Carey. Vernon, and Vernon Carey
0: not- we, we presume is leaving. We just haven't yeah. heard the Vernon yet. Carey was just
2: named freshman of the year by the U.S. basketball writers. He's he's cleaning up in all the freshman awards. He's pretty consistently a second, maybe a third team All-American. Um, uh, Vernon Carey's leaving, and uh, and Godspeed to him. Dude was was amazing. We've, we've talked at length about Vernon Carey this season. In terms of the other guys, we got a little hint about Wendell Moore. I mean, he posted something on, on Twitter or Instagram, I forget where it was, where he said – uh, he took a picture of Cameron and he said, you know, gone for now, but I'll be back soon or something to those effects. And and people looked at that and they said, well, that's, isn't that him saying he's going to be back at Duke? Um, there's been a ton of talk that Wendell Moore is coming back. Uh, I don't know if he feels like he needs to make an official announcement. I would say that if he decides to leave at this point, it would be a pretty big surprise. The other guys, Matthew Hurt and Cassius Stanley are the ones who are really up in the air and, um, There had been some talk that Matthew Hurt might be looking to transfer. Um, Apparently, people close to him have said that's out of the car. He's not transferring. They haven't said he's not going pro, but they said he's not transferring. And with Cassius Stanley, there was this weird little moment a couple days ago where Joey Baker was doing an Instagram chat. And Joey Baker kind of implied that we were going to get a second year out of Cassius Stanley at Duke. Now, these Duke kids are trained in social media. They are aware Of everything they say. And I I have to wonder if Joey Baker would have said something like that if there weren't some tea leaves to indicate that Cassius was thinking, at least thinking strongly about perhaps coming back. I think that would be a surprise.
1: I think also one of the things that he that kind of led to this kind of rumor mill churning is I believe when Joey Baker announced that he was coming back on his post, I think Cassius Stanley. It had somebody who was like, yeah, let's get it. Something that would imply like let us, like the two of us dominate next year. And it was a very small, but, you know, quote uh, or response, but it was something that obviously people are like, wait, let us equals us. That means two people. Is that mean you and him are going to be playing next year? And that's kind of what has fueled this as well.
2: And, and yeah. look, we're all trying to, we're trying to read the tea leaves. We're trying to interpret social. Look, at one point there are people who are looking at, at the the profile picture that Matthew Hurt was posting on his on his Twitter profile for for clues, uh, folks, I, you, you got to kind of step back a little bit. The reality is none of us really know. Um, I, you know, I, like I was saying, I think Wendell Moore leaning toward coming back. I would say probably at least one of Matthew Hurt or Cassius Stanley probably going to come back. I don't know. I, I I think it's kind of unlikely to get both of them, but you never know. It it's a possibility. Um, but but we're all just guessing at this point.
0: It, it'd That's be great. Oh, it'd be great that, if we got him though assuming that Vernon Carey is gone there is room for all of them on the roster and I think one of the things we learned this year is that it is it is fun as fans to have more uncertainty about exactly how the roster will shake out you know well one of the things we'll talk about in the in the stats game is the number of Jordan Goldwire starts which we all wildly underpredicted this season so uh as much as we can say oh well if so-and-so is there, then it puts this other person on the bench, or it, it removes all of their minutes. Uh, we really don't know until the, until the season comes around and the guys really start to get playing on that particular team. Because as much as we think we know from this season, everything changes with a whole new crop of freshmen next year. Donald, give me a, give me a final word on, on all the roster changes or potential changes uh, before we move on.
1: Yeah, the, the one thing that I think is the uncertainty is the times that we live in, right? Like, you know, a lot of these guys could have had their draft stock go way up because of a performance in the NCAA tournament, which didn't happen. So we that adds to the uncertainty of whether or not these guys are coming back, where they're leaning. Uh, it's hard to get draft stock and, and get draft analysis from people on where they think they will slot up because they don't have as much tape, especially the tape that most guys, you know, most scouts like to look at the most, which is the postseason tournament. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens if Cassius Stanley came back. I think there would be a huge boost not only to the team but to the fans because of that athleticism. He has that that go get it attitude. That you know, you see him fly through the air to dunk it over four people. That gets everybody on their feet, and he would be great to have that next year. But I think you guys are right in the sense that we'll probably get two. I don't think we'll get it all three. It's just a matter of which of the three uh, decides to go somewhere else or go to the league. Well, whenever those
0: decisions happen, we will be back to discuss all of them right now. We're going to take a quick break and come back and recap the stats prediction. game. All right, guys are going to do our traditional end of season roundup in the form of the stats prediction game, which we've done the last few years. And uh, I'm sorry to say that we still haven't followed up to purchase the trophy that we said that we were going to buy last year. So uh, to our listener who promised the Joey, we're we're working on it. And now we have more time than ever to, to devote to things like that. So we will be uh, back in touch with images of the trophy as soon as it is procured. That being said... I am going to run down the uh, the results here. And as we're going through, there are a couple of um, items that may have some discrepancy in the way that we judge them. So what I'll do is I'll ask you guys before I reveal the the sort of results of it, um, what you think about the fairness of awarding points to certain uh, people based on the way they predicted things. And we'll go from there. Does that, does that sound okay, Donald and Jason? Yes? Sounds yes. good to me. All right. So Thumbs here up. we go. Yep. Um, the In the first category, uh, most points, all three of us predicted that that would be Matthew Hurt. Matthew Hurt ended up fifth on the team in most points, So nobody gets points for that. Uh, Vernon Carey ran away with this category. He scored 552 points, which is astonishing for a freshman big man who didn't get any postseason games to achieve anymore. So really well done by Vernon Carey. Most rebounds, we all predicted it was going to be Vernon Carey. He also ran away with that one, 272 of them. Cassius Stanley was second with 141. And as I mentioned, Trey Jones, third with 123. Pretty uh, Pretty good season for him. Uh, on the on the glass, most block shots. Uh, I predicted Vernon Carey. Donald and Jason both predicted that it would be Javin Delorier. Uh, that Ooh. that did work out for you. That so, did not work uh, out. Vernon Carey. Wait, what happened? Wait, what happened? Sorry, what? <laughs> <I> said, uh, <laughs> who did that? <laughs> so, so Vernon Carey ran away with block shots. Uh, uh, I will take the point for that one. Most assists. Uh, all three of us guessed Trey Jones. Thank God uh, we were all right. So that that was a – I think, I think that was a doubt. we all felt the most confident in. Um, most steals. Hey, who, uh,
2: hey, hey, Sam, who was second? Was, it, was Jordan Goldwire second? Who was second in assists on the team?
0: Yeah, Jordan Goldwire was second. Um, as we get to most steals, Jason and I both predicted it would be Trey Jones. Donald predicted Jordan Goldwire. And this was closer than I thought it would be. Trey had 51 and Jordan Goldwire had 47 uh, Steve so, much more so um so Jason and I get the point for that one, but Donald in a, hey, on props. a race, totally crushed. props
2: to donald that's that was uh, I mean in Can the when, prop we half point? Pre- when we made these predictions, I mean Jordan cloudy for that a one. lot of minutes, yeah. yeah, that's impressive, Donald. good job. you don't <laughs> yeah. get the point though,
0: yeah, that was <laughs> all right, moving on to a uh, highest field goal percentage uh. And with a minimum of one field goal attempt per game. So uh, I guess Vernon Carey, Donald and Jason, both guessed Javin Delorier. This one was also close. Delorier had 55% and Carey 57.7%. So I just barely edge out on highest field goal percentage, but but everybody made uh, worthy guesses. Um, hey, can which, I
1: just go for the record that I don't like this game right now?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, which, is, which is more than we could I was going to say that everyone so far has had – Ah, uh, decent guesses with the exception of all of us picking Matthew Hurt to score the most points for some reason. I am coming to a category now where one of us made a horrible pick, uh, which is highest three-point percentage. Oh, um, that's me.
2: That's me. Yeah, so <laughs> I got that one. <laughs>
0: so, do we get um do do those of us who picked uh, or does the person who picked the best pick get a point here, or do you have to have no. picked the person who ended up on top?
2: No. No, you Donald. Donald,
0: the, Donald, I'm going to ask you because Jason already knows that he's out of the running for this one.
1: You said, "Is it the best person?" Because not the not Matthew a, Hurt a, one didn't. We didn't get points for that, so. Right, but we all we all guessed the same. Oh, we all picked end. the same one last okay. year. So, the closest person got it. Okay. Um. So in that case, uh, if we did if we're they, women, they did, yeah, there was a couple where I was. I got a point because I was the closest. So and if we dead on. If we're abiding, if but, we're abiding. That, wait,
2: wait, wait, wait. So it, yeah. so hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, we did closest when it was like, hey, how many minutes will Joey Baker play right. or something like that? And we said whoever comes closest because guessing – but but we were asked to pick the highest field goal, three-point field goal percentage on the team. So um, if you didn't get if it. If you didn't get that you didn't right, get it, you you, didn't get you it? got that wrong. All right. Okay. I, that's a, that's the way I think I feel like that's the proper way to do it. We weren't asked, uh, you know, again, if you're, if we're asked to pick something that's a large number and, and we're trying to come closest, you know, like for an individual, you know, how many block shots will someone have, that kind of thing? I, I think that's the closest. I don't know that, like, for example, on the Matthew Hurt thing, I mean, let's say two of us had picked Matthew, uh, you know, for top leading scorer, two of us had picked Matthew Hurt and one of us had picked Jordan Goldwire. I wouldn't say the two people who picked Matthew Hurt who finished fifth on the team in scoring should get a point over the guy who picked Jordan Goldwire. I mean that's to me that's silly. Okay. None of us none that's, of us got
1: that right. That's sure. None of I us can, even came I close to that. getting it
0: right. Despite Jason knowing where he stands on this question, I I guess I'll 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 defer to that logic. I think it makes sense. So Hey it um, could
2: bite hey, it could bite me in the butt later on. It could. I I I, we, I am I am we will making my stand regardless of what will happen in the future.
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, right, but you've got the you've got the burden hand here as opposed to the two in the bush uh, that, Yes. that you about. So (laughs) with that said, Donald and I both picked Matthew Hurt as having the highest three-point field goal percentage. Hurt did average 39.3%, which was third on the team behind Joey Baker and, of course, Justin Robinson. uh, 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 Jason picked Alex O'Connell, who uh, ended up ninth on the team in three-point percentage. He shot 27.3% from beyond the arc this year. So, um, Jason, that's. I almost want to remove a point for making such a bad. <laughs> we we'll, we'll,
1: we'll let it go. All right. Here's Although, a, wait, here's wait, a, wait, real quick, real quick. With Justin yeah. Robinson, did he make the m- number yes. was uh, a half a 10 per game? Minimum half half
0: a three pointer per game. He, them, he, half, uh, half per game. Um, he made. Uh, I think he took twenty twenty one three pointers this season. Okay. He actually took. Um, he took more threes than Wendell Moore did this year. <laughs> Justin wow. Robinson took. More three-pointers than Wendell Moore did. Just let that stew on that for a second. Yeah, okay. All right. Speaking of three-pointers, Trey Jones' three-point percentage. So last year, Trey Jones averaged 26% from beyond the arc. We talked coming into the season about how his improvement in that particular area is going to be huge for Duke. He ended up averaging 36.1% this season. Jason had guessed the lowest at 30.5. I was just above him at 31. Donald guessed 35%. So Donald was very close to getting Trey nice. Jones um, exact three-point percentage this year. So Donald gets the point there. All right. We're coming to one of the really sad ones, which is total wins. Um, uh, of course. Mm-hmm. Skip that one. Skip that one. Wait, wait, wait. That, 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 <laughs> we,
1: Skip that one. We can't, hey, we, hey,
2: We can't count it. I mean, we played 10, nine, ten less games than we were supposed to. Nine less games than we were supposed to. No way. No well,
0: way. Uh-uh. You, Toss it out. If, if you wanted to know, Duke's Duke won twenty five games this season. I got the closest. I'll I won't I won't take the point. <laughs> or move the category. Um, true road wins. We we were able to finish the season because we did get through the entire regular season. Both Donald and Jason correctly predicted that we would win seven true road games. I predicted that we would only win six. So um, I was generally pessimistic <laughs> on on winning this season relative to. Uh, the two of you. So um, you get the points for uh, true road wins at seven. Uh, pretty good. Duke. Uh, Duke was just able to meet your total. Um, ACC terms and teams in the tournament. Um, we will remove Ooh. this one as well um, because we don't. We really were all to- wrong, though. I think we were all horribly wrong. So the two of you both guessed that there would be seven. I guess there would be nine. Uh, technically. Um, Nope, we don't know. Although, uh, of course, in the back of our heads, we realized that the two of you were closer than I was going to be because there were certainly not going to be seven teams in ACC teams in the NCAA tournament. So um, no points, um, no points for that. Uh, Jordan Goldwire total starts. Uh, So Jordan Goldwire um, far exceeded our expectations and he started 15 games this season. Donald was the closest. He guessed nearly seven, I guessed five and Jason guessed four. So we'll give Donald the point for that one. Next up, we've got Joey Baker's total minutes. Um, Jason just ekes this one out. So Joey Baker had 338 minutes this season. Um, Jason guessed 297 Donald guessed 400 and I was the low man at 174. So, um,
2: I was going to say I feel bad for Donald because had we played an ACC and an NCA tournament, I I bet he would have won that one. But I still get the point.
0: Damn, we could this, we could choose to remove it um, on the basis of <laughs> we're missing we're missing six games of production. Yeah, no, um, I'll,
1: let, I'll let Jason have. Wait,
0: it. A wait a second.
2: No, no, no. We, no, we should remove it. I, I actually think we should remove it. I think total minutes. We should probably remove it.
0: All right, so I need. Although to... Joey
2: Baker, I mean. Actually, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. The other thing is, you know, God love him, Joey, but how much was he going to play in the ACC and NCAA tournament? I mean, based on the final few games of the season?
0: Well, probably, yeah, probably less, less than uh, eight
2: minutes, less than 10 minutes. Now we're,
0: now, we're, now we're parting these differences. He wouldn't have had to play that much more for Donald to have gotten the points here. So, uh, if, he,
2: so if he had played 10 more minutes, would Donald have gotten the point? Yes. <laughs> then, then, then we should wipe it. It shouldn't exist then.
0: Yeah. All right. So we'll get rid of that one. Moving on, we will. The next category was number of players who play at least 150 minutes. This is one that we also might want to remove, although I don't think it's going to. It wouldn't have ended up making a difference. Uh, Jason got this one right at 10. Donald guessed 11, and I guessed nine. It's possible that by the end of the season we would have gotten um, one more player to um, to 150 minutes, but it's unlikely to have been the case. So, who would have uh, been I'm,
1: that? Who would have been that player? Uh, I,
0: was it J. Rob? Yeah, I think so. Oh, right.
1: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin
0: Robinson was at 102 minutes for the season, um, so he would have had to play another 48. Um, which, if Duke had I'll a two games NCAA tournament <laughs> run, um, it could have happened. I don't know. <laughs> all right, this category's out. Um, yeah, man, I, I
2: think I think it's I think it's got to be out, and, and I think Donald yeah. probably would have won. I mean, like the way he was playing, is there any way that J. Rob was? I, I mean, I guess it depends on how many games Duke was going to play.
1: If um, if we, if we'd assumed we'd play two more games, he would have had to average 24 minutes, which. Yeah I, do that that yeah. I can yeah. do that and, math. Yeah. I can you know. do that math.
0: It's it's uh, it's very possible that um, that that was going to be the case. So
2: I think uh, Donald got robbed there. Uh yeah. We're We're mean that a lot. I've been saying this All a right. lot. <laughs> next,
0: one. Uh, next one, of course, is our favorite category number of hundred point games. Uh, Duke had two of them. Donald and Jason both guessed two. I guess that there would be none. Uh, I am a little bit salty about this one because one of those games was a loss uh, to Wake Forest. So I am am bummed about that outcome. But uh, you guys do get the points. Um, Well, uh, (laughs) here's one that again, we could, if we really wanted to get technical say that we really needed to play out the season to find out how many total points we were going to get from walk-ons this season. However, given that we only had two points,
1: (laughs) only two points for Mike Buckmeyer. I got
0: that
2: win. I got this one.
0: And and Jason predicted five, I predicted 19, and Donald predicted 27. So um, unless we're either counting Justin Robinson or assuming that Mike Buckmeyer was about to have the NCAA tournament of his life, um, I think I'm comfortable giving that one to Jason. Um, Thank you. Moving on to Vernon Carey's total three pointers. Uh, this was this was an interesting one at the beginning of the season because we were sort of not expecting him. Uh, we I, I think we were we were trying to figure out if the fact that he was taking three pointers in the preseason was a, an indicator that he was actually going to do that during the year or if that was just whatever we're just showing this off because because we want opponents to be scared of it especially early didn't, in the season didn't i weekend.
2: guess some outrageous number didn't i guess like 12 or something like that No.
0: um no you guessed uh you guessed seven donald guessed eight and i guessed five so um carrie did end up hitting eight pointers during the season so donald actually got this one while having the highest guess and he only could have gone up from there so eight three-pointers for vernon Carey. that's uh, a that, that's pretty good given that we expected this season for him to almost exclusively be a, um, you know, back to the basket kind of inside type of player. So Jason, very, again, not that we need to say this again, but Vernon Carey, great year for Duke. And
1: Jason, then the final, 12, Jason, your 12 was from last year. It was the number of Marquise Bolden three point attempts. Yeah.
0: And that ended up being what, one?
1: one Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, thank you.
2: Thank you for reminding me. So, <laughs> oh, that was a bad prediction. <laughs>
0: final category I am most proud of. Um, I asked you all to predict uh, Duke's Ken Palm defensive rank as of selection Sunday. So we'll say that, that you know, we didn't get selection Sunday, but for all intents and purposes, um, we got to a final Ken Palm defensive rank. And I predicted exactly correctly that Duke would be 12th in the nation in, in Ken Palm defense. Uh, Donald guessed eight, and Jason guessed five. So none of us were were really out of the ballpark. Um, I was just a little bit more pessimistic than the two of you were. So having redone the totals here, um, things ended up just about as close as they possibly could be. I got six questions right. Uh, Donald got seven, and Jason also got six. So Donald Wine, thanks to the shortened season. Yes! Um, the stats <laughs> prediction game champion this year uh, in in the weirdest stats prediction game results of all time, given that we had to throw out many of the questions since Duke's season didn't actually end. Um, I thought that I was going to sneak out uh, the victory here because I was the one uh, benefiting from all the, the thrown out competitions because none of them were things that I won. So I uh, thought I was going to gonna get there. But
1: can uh, I just say that I, I love this game. I love the stats game. This is the greatest game on the planet. <laughs> So in in years where in
0: years where Duke only gets to play like 30 games, uh Donald Donald has a distinct advantage in the stats game. What were you going to say, Jason?
2: You know, next next year we need to ask people to send in suggestions for the sort of obscure stat stuff that we come up with cuz those are the yeah. most
0: fun. Yeah. Sure. So we will uh we'll we'll, we'll bring this back next Not year. Not now.
2: Not now, next yeah. year.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We'll worry about that whenever college basketball returns, because you know what? We don't really know when that's going to be. So anyway, congratulations to Donald on his victory this season. Um, and I think that is going to do it here. We have been on for plenty of time for all of you. We'll be back, as I said, uh, at some point in the near future when we get more news about roster turnover or guys going to the NBA, transferring, announcing they're coming back, all of that stuff. We'll be back to talk about, of course, uh, if there are any updates on the NCAA front, as far as how the organization is dealing with uh, the effect of coronavirus, we will be back to talk about that. Uh, we know that everyone is holed up at home, as they are supposed to be doing. And uh, so if you have any questions for us, make sure to email them, uh, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Again, dbrpodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us. There are certainly uh, tons of airtime available these days for us to answer listener questions. So uh, with that, um, for Donald Wine uh, in Charlotte and for Jason Evans in Atlanta, I am Sam Klein coming to you from Durham, North Carolina, home of Duke University and the Blue Devils. This has been episode 202 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We will talk to you again soon. Duke Band, take us home.